want to talk to you today about being productive. Productive. Not all. How about now? No, still, there we go. All right. I want to talk to you today about being, being productive, productive. You know, if you go out and you plant a farm, uh, you intend it to produce a crop, right? That's the purpose of that effort. If you hire an employee, you're not hiring them to, to simply watch the clock. You want them to be productive while they're at work. When you take money and every month you put a little bit in your retirement, and I, I don't know how often you look at yours. I, I, sometimes I go a few years without ever looking at mine. But when I do look at it, I expect it to produce interest and a return. Do you know that the Lord, in the same way, created us to be productive? He meant for us to produce something. And so the Bible talks about the great commission that God gave us to the Lord Jesus Christ just before he sent it into heaven. Was to make disciples. That, that's our primary mission and purpose in life, is to make disciples of Jesus. And so today, we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told that helps us understand a little bit about how that works. How is it that God works through us to produce disciples? So Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4 is where we'll be at. I want to ask you, just join me in standing as we read God's word together. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When his disciples asked what this parable meant, he said, To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Let's pray together. God, to help us today to understand and to live out this parable. Help us to be sowers of your word. 
instruments that you use to bring about change in people's lives and draw them to follow you. For it's in Christ that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus told a lot of parables, and what's really fascinating about this parable is that he goes on to explain every detail of it and tell us exactly what it means. And so we know what he was talking about when he's talking about this parable of, of the sower. When you think about Jesus' teaching, Jesus, uh, he used everyday things all the time so that people might understand. Now, I know what he said about hearing they may not hear and sin, they may not see. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But Jesus talked about sheep. He talked about farmers. He talked about taxes to Caesar. He talks about all these things that people just lived with every day and knew and understood. And he used them as examples and illustrations and teaching devices to help the people understand. So the Lord wanted them to, to understand this. And he wants us to understand it as well. So he uses a parable of a man who goes out to sow seed. And so in this parable, as we walk through Jesus' explanation, we see that it's the word of God that makes us productive as believers. In verse 11, this is what he says. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. So when we think about this parable of a seed going out and falling and sprouting and then growing and then producing, uh, you, you and I are not the seed. And, and our uh, explanations are not the seed. And everything that we might do to encourage people is, is not the seed. That, that goes along with part of the act of sowing. The actual seed, what produces change and what leads to fruit is the word of God. So in this parable, a sower went out to sow. You and I, we're, we're the sowers. We're the ones who are, who, are, who are scattering, to use Jesus' imagery, scattering the word of God everywhere. And the seed is the word. You know, the word of God has great, great power. Great power. The Bible says in Romans 10, the relationship between the word and people being saved. And here's what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, if you've been here for many services, you've heard me quote that verse multiple times. Great promise from God. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But listen to the rest of this passage. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So, so, so listen to the summary statement here. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The Bible tells us that people are saved through the word. 
Jesus said, a sower went out to sow seed, and the seed is the word of God. Paul would say in Romans, how can anyone believe in someone they're not heard of? And how can they believe without someone preaching? And so the Bible is the seed that is planted in people's hearts. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, listen to what it says about the power of the word of God. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I've just seen time and time again, if people would just, just listen to the word, it would, it would transform their life. We're, we're going to be looking at some, uh, uh, some technology here on a Wednesday night pretty soon. Uh, we, we've got it ordered, but there's a, there's a group in Atlanta that produces devices for missionaries. And the Kentucky Baptist Convention was aware of them and have a partnership with them. And so they invited uh, me and some other pastors to go down and to, to meet with them. And, and we did just before the, the summit conference. We were in Atlanta meeting with those folks. And they showed me some of the things that they produced. And one of the things that they, they created was they made a solar-powered audio Bible. And so there are missionaries all over the world that will go into the villages and they will show a film called the Jesus Film. If you've never seen it, it's, it's a great film produced by Campus Crusade for Christ. It's free. You can watch it on your phone. You can pull it up on your computer. You can watch it anywhere completely free in almost 2,000 languages. And they'll go into a village and they'll, they'll show the Jesus film. Now, here's a people that, that can't read. They've never been to Israel. They, they don't know what a sheep is or a Pharisee, but they see it portrayed on the screen and it brings the Bible to life for them. And so what they do is they show this film, and then they'll ask, says, how many people here would like to know more about following Jesus? And whoever raises their hand, they'll kind of pull them aside, and they'll talk to them about that, what that means, pray with them, try to help them get started. And then they discovered that they would, they would come back around about a year later and check on these villages. And what they discovered was, on average, about... 2% of those people who had expressed an interest to follow Christ after watching the Jesus film were still trying in some way to, to follow Christ. 2%. That's a pretty low. But think about this. They didn't know another Christian. They didn't have a pastor. There was no church. They didn't have the Bible. They don't have access to the internet to get any kind of resources. They don't have anybody to tell them anything about what it means to, to follow Christ. And so this group produced this solar-powered audio Bible where they could load the Bible in any language that's available. And so now what they did is they would gather people together and they'd say, how many people are interested in following Jesus? And they would ask, which one of you is very trusted in this village and said usually somebody would be pointed out and they would take that that solar powered audio bible and they would say this is not for you this is a gift for the village and we're trusting you 
to lay this out in the sun every day, make sure it's fully charged, have it available for anybody that wants to gather and use it at night to listen to the Bible. And they encourage the people to gather at night and just listen to a chapter or two of Scripture and then talk about it among themselves. After adding the audio Bible where they could listen to the Word of God, when they came back around the villages, they found that those that were still trying to fall in Christ, instead of being 2%, were now 200%. They doubled. They not only continued to follow, they told their friends and neighbors. They told people in other villages, and they gathered together. The only difference was they now had access to the Word of God. You see, the Word is powerful. God's Word can radically transform your life because it's Him speaking to you. And so oftentimes we get overwhelmed at the thought of witnessing because we think, well, I don't, I don't really know what to say. Well, if nothing else, if we just gave somebody a track with a verse of Scripture on it, God can use that in their life. The Word of God is that powerful. You say, can, can people be saved just, just from a, a track and not even having anybody to talk to them? I don't know if you've ever read the Christian classic, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, uh, one of the most widely read Christian books ever written. It was written by a pastor uh, named John Bunyan. And uh, maybe, you, maybe you've heard of him, maybe you haven't, but I'm telling you one of the most widely read books ever written in the Christian life. A man was out one day distributing gospel tracts. And he threw one down in the street in England. And he prayed that a bad man would find that track and read it. And he did. A man named Bunyan, on his way to prison, picked it up and carried it with him. And in prison, after reading the scripture, he gave his life to Christ. And he would become one of the most influential Christians and pastors of his day, writing a book that even today is read by thousands and thousands and thousands of people. There was a man named Kurt Wagner. You've probably never heard of Kurt, but you've probably heard of the man that he guarded. He was a bodyguard for Hitler. And Kurt Wagner worshiped Hitler like a god. But after Hitler's suicide, he was just disillusioned. He didn't know what to do. And so he decided that he was going to commit suicide as well. And he went to drink his final cup of coffee. And on the way, he saw a discarded gospel track. And he picked it up and he began to read it. And as he read it, it spoke to him. He went and he took it to a pastor who led him to the Lord. And this man would become a devout follower in Jesus Christ. Just a few examples of the power of the word of God. Jesus said a sower went out to sow and the seed was the word of God. Here's what God said to the prophet Isaiah about the power of his word. He says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving the seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish 
that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The word of God is powerful. There's a, there's a second thing as Jesus begins to give these examples of the seed falling on different soils and the soils are responses from people. This is important to understand. It's not different types of people. There's times in people's life when they hear the word and, and they don't receive it. But later they come to receive it. So don't think that people are predestined or fated to be rocky or thorny or good soil. There may have been a time in your life before you were saved that the cares of this life were choking out the word of God in your life. These are responses. And so the second uh, example we have here, verse 12, he says, the ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts that they may not believe and be saved. And so <clears throat> this example, a, a sower is just scattering seed. Like the best example I can think of is I can remember as a young man going out and just re-sowing the pasture. And that's what we did. We had, we had a spreader and we just spread it everywhere. And some of it fell on limestone. In East Tennessee where we farmed, there was a lot of limestone sticking up out of the ground. And a lot of it fell there. Nothing was going to grow there. There's places where the limestone is, is not protruding out of the ground, but the ground's really shallow. If something hits there, not much is going to grow. But some of it hits good soil. And that's the way that Jesus is describing this farmer. And some fall along the path. And, of course, the, the path, people are walking on it. It's beaten down. People are going to continue to walk on it. And so the seed doesn't take root. But instead, uh, the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So I want you to understand this. Sowing the word of God is a spiritual battle. The, the Bible says here that the devil comes and takes away the word from their, from their hearts. We're living in a time where, where people think it's just superstitious and ignorant to believe in the devil. But Jesus believed in the devil, spoke with him. The Bible records uh, his mischief from beginning to end. The devil is real. And sowing the word of God and producing disciples is a spiritual battle. It's not something that we do on our own. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, listen to what it would say about this, the spiritual forces in the world. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So when we look and we see people that, <clears throat> that are uh, at war with God, they're not our enemy, they're our hope. They're our, they're our target, if you will. Satan is our enemy, and he's going to interfere in any way that he can with the proclamation of God's word publicly and with the sharing of God's word individually. And so if we're going to be producing disciples, we must begin with, with prayer, with prayer. Because there's a work here that you and I cannot do on our own. Only God can change people's hearts. And so listen to what the Bible would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, about the devil's role in this. It says, in their case, I'm talking about those who, who just don't understand and, and, and don't believe. In their case, 
The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The Bible tells us here that, that Satan is actively working to keep people from understanding. Have you ever uh, been in a class and you just didn't quite grasp what was going on? I can think of different math classes that I had growing up and, you know, the teacher explains something and, and you're just, you're trying to follow, but it just, just doesn't make any sense. And then uh, finally, maybe they give another illustration or example, or they say something that just fills in a missing piece of information. And all of a sudden a light comes on and it makes sense what they've been saying all along. You ever, ever experienced that? Maybe someday a light will come on for some of y'all. So yeah, hopefully we've all experienced this. The light came on and all of a sudden you understood something you didn't previously understand. The gospel is the same way. Satan is working hard to keep people in the dark. One of the reasons that some people do not understand, will not accept, and will not believe is because Satan has blinded their eyes. So what, what, what can we do about that? We can pray. We can pray. The Bible teaches us uh, not to be flippant about demonic spirits. Warns us pretty carefully. We even see examples of God's angels that are very careful how they interact with demons. We're not to be flippant or tried about it, but we have no reason to be intimidated or afraid because here's what the Bible says about this. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You read the Gospels, anytime Jesus encountered demons, it was not Jesus who was afraid, it was the demons. And soon you know, I don't need to terror, we don't need to be afraid, we just need to pray and understand that if we're going to share the Gospel with somebody, that this is a spiritual work, it's a spiritual battle, and it begins with prayer. One pastor said it like this, he said, he said I always talk to God about men before I talk to men about God. And what he was saying was, we begin with prayer. So in the word of God is a spiritual battle. Well, notice what Jesus teaches us as he talks about the seed that falls on the rock. It says, and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. You see, a faith that produces spiritual fruits deep, deep enough to withstand difficulty, difficulty. We talk about putting our faith and trust in God. We mean more than believing that God exists. And when we look around the world today, there, there, there are very few atheists, very few. Most people have some type of belief in something spiritual. And many people worship what they believe to be a God. But the reality is, is that many times what they've done is they've tried to craft God into their image instead of letting God mold us into his image. And so many people today think they're worshiping God, but they just have a false understanding of who he is. And, and the, the best example that I know to describe what I see happening in much of our culture in this misunderstanding is that people often treat God as though he's like a genie, a genie in a lamp. I don't know if, uh, if 
I haven't seen a cartoon in forever, so I don't even know if if that uh, uh, is still still relevant to a younger generation if they know what I'm talking about. But but we all know about Aladdin's lamp. You rub the lamp, genie comes out, and how many wishes do you get? Three. See, we all know you get three wishes, right? You rub the lamp, genie comes out, and you you give him, you get three wishes. And many people, this is their understanding of God. And so they follow God, and then uh, they get in a tight financial spot, and so they ask God to, to rescue them, and they're still in a tight financial spot, and their, their faith falls away. Uh, they get sick, and they ask God to heal them instantly, and, and he doesn't, and so their, their, their faith falls away. They are wronged by another person. They ask God to fix this relationship in their life, and they're still separated from this person. And so then the faith falls away because their view of God was that he was someone they could command. He was someone that was just a little more than an arm's length away. At any moment, they could just call on him to fix whatever problem they needed fixing. And so their faith and trust falls away. You see, faith that produces spiritual fruit, which is what God has called us to, it seeks God's kingdom first. So listen to verse 14, what it says. As, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. You know what Jesus said about about riches and priority. He said in Luke chapter 16, verse 13, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. What Jesus was teaching us here is that there's only room for one priority in our life. Only room for one. And many people think they want to follow God. But the cares, riches, and pleasures of life take priority. And they, so they find this tension in their life. And so they choose riches. They choose pleasures. They choose whatever it might be instead of God. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 33. Here's what Jesus said about this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Talking about all the things that you need. Jesus has called us to seek his kingdom first. The seed that falls among the thorns represents those that they can't lay everything else aside to pursue the Lord. And this is not about haves and have-nots. It's not about whether you have wealth or you don't have wealth. It's about what you're worshiping. It's about what the priority in your life is. If, if you're faced with a choice today, to either 
have this eternal life in a relationship with God or to be a billionaire. If they were mutually exclusive and you can only choose one, which would you choose? And that answer reveals the condition of your heart. So Jesus describes this person that they hear the word and that they want to receive it, but they just, they want pleasure more. They, they, they want to receive it, but they want to pursue riches more. It's about priority in life. And there's, there's a lot of folks today that are not in church, not because they hate God or hate the church. They just love the world more. They've got more important things to do this morning than to be in worship. It's about priority. So each of these represents a response. Notice the last in verse 15. As for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience an honest and good heart will take hold of God's word and allow it to produce lasting fruit in the believers life do you notice that Jesus speaks here about the heart an honest and good heart you see we cannot please God without sincerely loving and trusting him the Christian life it's not about rules, regulations. It's not about checking off accomplishments. It's about loving God. And so Jesus said, it's the honest and sincere heart that receives the word of God and holds fast. And when that happens, it begins to produce fruit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, listen to what it says. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is God's call in our life, that we would produce good works, fruit. This comes about by receiving God's word with an honest and sincere heart. And I want you to notice this key word here, patience. Bear fruit with patience. The work that God wants to do through us requires patience and persistence. Many times people want to share the gospel or they want to invite someone to church. And, and I, I've experienced this many times with younger believers. And they get really excited and they'll invite a friend and the friend will come one time. And then the friend will tell them all the reasons why they don't like church, they didn't like the message, they didn't like the preacher, they didn't like the people, they didn't like the color carpet, they just ain't even coming back. And, and time and time again, I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I, I tried. I tried. And, and they did once. Do you, know, do you notice that there are four responses here? And three of them 
do not produce disciples. I don't think that's meant to represent an exact ratio of who's going to be saved. But I want you to understand this. The vast majority of people who hear the gospel are going to reject it. Jesus talked about this broad path with many on it and a narrow gate that few would find. One of the reasons that many people have never led anyone to Christ personally is because they just gave up too soon. You have to share the gospel with many people in order to find the few who will receive it. We have to distribute the word of God to many people in order to find the few with a good heart that will take hold of it. And just because you don't see immediate results, don't get discouraged. I think one of the places we've really erred in Baptist life in recent years is we try to measure things that we can't measure and shouldn't be measuring. What we need to be measuring is our witness. How many times we have gospel conversations? How many times we invite people to church? How many times we proclaim the good news? A young lady I pastored in Tennessee went to vacation Bible school to church. They gave her a gospel track. She didn't make a profession of faith. I don't know that she read it. She didn't believe nor understand. But months later, her parents were fighting. And this little girl went in the closet in her bedroom. And she found that track and she sat there and she read it. And as she sat there reading that track, God spoke to her. And she gave her life to Christ. She came to our church. I baptized her, pastored her for years. She's still following the Lord today. I, I, I don't know who gave her that track at that church. I don't know if that church even knew anything about her faith. But they gave her a track, and later it bore fruit. Don't get discouraged. Just be persistent. The work of sharing the gospel takes patience. Let's pray together. Father, may we be your sower, faithfully distributing the word through Sunday school, through our services, and Lord, individually in, in our neighborhoods and among our family. God, help us not to give up on people. Help us to be persistent so that we might see the joy of hard soul being broken up and receiving your word in time. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. This